Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 3 Podcast. This might be college football, Welcome back. Busy afternoon here on President's Day. We're uh, happy to have you alongside, and let's get back to our phone calls and talk to Connor in Knoxville. Hey, Connor. Hey, Paul. How's it going? We're doing great. Thank you. Uh, I just had a couple of questions. Uh, one, what do you think about the tennis, uh, the Tennessee and the NCAA court case thing? And the second one was, where do you see Tennessee basketball going in the tournament in March? Yeah, on the court case, uh, I I don't know exactly where the uh, t- where the where the hearing is going, but Tennessee uh, ultimately is going to prevail. The NCAA uh, I think will weasel out of it as, as best they can. They don't want they don't want a court fight. That would be the worst thing in the world for that organization. Uh, I think what I've seen in Tennessee. I mean, I I, I think legitimate Final Four now seeding will be critical. Tennessee seems to be stuck on the Sweet 16, even uh, during their best teams. But this team looks better than uh, – I'm not sure – they don't look better than the one, what, five years ago, but they look they look pretty close to that. All right. I appreciate it, Thank Paul. Thank you very much. You bet. Richard in uh, North Carolina is up next. Hey, Richard. Yeah, how you doing, Paul? We are doing great. Thank you. You do it. Is the weather good over there? It's nice over yeah, there. Yeah, today's It was like uh, Antarctica over the weekend, as you know, but it finally got a little bit nicer today. Yeah, it's been a beautiful day. Well, I had a couple of things to to, to um, talk to you about. Um, for, uh, first, you know, we were talking, uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to you right after that one. Well, Dominic, I think he's one of your really good callers, but he doesn't need to curse anybody out like he did. He, he doesn't need to do that. I mean, I, I think. No. Uh, but, uh, and, and the other things, well, he was talking about uh, Mike Griffith. And I think Griffith has a point. And one, one thing when he's talking about um, telling the boy, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. But he has had a rough time with it, with his assistants. And I think, but the real question is going to be how he can recruit against all these good, good old Southern boys who are coaching at the other, at the other teams. I, I mean, uh, are coaching the other teams. Yeah, I think um, I think uh, I think there's a lot we don't know about him yet, and you know, he's mm-hmm. got a he's got a really good team. Uh, he's got a team that should be in the playoff contention, but you know, winning uh, at. Uh, Winning in North Dakota uh, and and winning in in Seattle, Washington are not the same as winning in Tuscaloosa. No, and but but the name of the game is really recruiting. It really you is. You got to have good players and, play with them. And you you have to wonder. And 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 the word Saban discount has been offered, but 
getting uh, getting alums to uh, pony up huge sums of money to Kalen DeBoer is not the same thing as as when Nick Saban used to call. No, that that's that, that's true. It, we, we, like I say, it, it remains to be seen. Yeah, I, I think he's he's a real good coach. But it'll just be to see if he's a, a fish out of water down in the south. I guess we'll just have to see about that. But the other thing that Mike Griffith said that I thought was one of the stupidest things that's been said in a long time, that, that Nick Saban here is retired and he's enjoying all the money that he has, he has accumulated in all, all and, you know, he's really well off. Who, who's going to go? He's talking about going back to Alabama. That's, that's no, the that, stupidest uh... thing I think I've <laughs> Yeah, I don't uh, listen. I, I don't. I don't have the expertise that others do about uh, what Nick Saban, <laughs> where Nick Saban is in life right now. Uh, but when you've made as much money as he has made, and you have, uh, let's see, he's got, by my count, four homes. Um, yeah, yeah. You're not really eager to to punch a clock anymore, so to speak. No, I think. Uh... But uh, the only thing I hope if he decides to do something else is I, w- I won't get back into it is that he he decides that it's his civic duty to remove Tommy Tuberville from the Senate. But we'll, but we'll you know, Richard, that. hey, thanks for the call. I saw something today and I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to remember. It was some poll. Somebody did one of these hypothetical polls that what if Saban ran in uh, two years? Is it two years? Yeah, two years against Tommy Tuberville, and they had Saban beating Tuberville. I don't think that's really uh, going to happen based on many conversations with Nick Saban, but I've always believed, and, and I, I, especially because his best friend is, is, is a United States Senator from West Virginia for at least a few more months, that that would intrigue him. Uh, he, he would be a, a mega celebrity in, in Washington, there's nothing quite like being a senator. It's one. Of, it's called the most ex- exclusive club uh, in Washington because there are only a hundred. Not the president, but it's pretty, pretty high up there. Um, would he? Would he consider that? Uh, I. I don't have any doubt he would be Tommy Tuberville. I don't think anybody else does either. Chuck is up next in Mississippi. Hello, Chuck. Hey, Paul. This is Chuck. I call you with my prognosis. Yes. On my cancer. And I had surgery on February the 5th. Okay. Robotic surgery. Right. And it's a it's a same-day surgery, even though they keep you overnight. Right. And one thing I like to find out, one thing that justified what we made decision on, we made decision more on what we didn't know than what we knew. Right. And the prognosis, the pathology of the tumor Still being stage one, mm-hmm. it was stage two. Ooh. So I got to go back in March to figure out to have another PSA test done right. to see if it gets below point two. Okay. If it doesn't, then I got to get radiation. Right. Well, Chuck, first of all, I'm really uh, most important, and I won't repeat all the things I've said about people I know and uh, we all know. But at least you are on it now versus finding out too late. I think you're in a good spot. All right. And point two, point six two, or six point two on a PSA does not indicate anything about that 
stage of cancer. I mean, I've heard people who have lower than that and had stage four. So it's just an indicator. It's not perfect, but it's an indicator. Well, Chuck, uh, I, I, I've seen this, not personally, uh, thank goodness, but I've, I've, I've told you my story about my friend who, who dealt with it right. and ultimately died. The one thing uh, I, I do know about, because uh, I, I was with him uh, on the day he died, and he, uh, the, the degree of, of, of medicine today versus five years ago, 10 years ago, is so far advanced. Uh, so that, that's what I think uh, you have to feel good about. Um, you're, you're, you're in great hands and you're doing the right thing. And as, as uncomfortable as I know it is, uh, you're, you're, you're not finding out about it when there's nothing you can do. Well, there's one thing he did give me some consequence on the assurance is he thinks everything was contained in the prostate. Wonderful. He didn't see anything outside of it, so that's some good news. Well, I listen. I, I know there's probably some moments when you wondered, uh, you know, when when is this ever going to end? But you're 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 in a good spot, I think. Well, appreciate it again, Paul. I just want to. All reason I call in is just make sure people get their PSA. Yeah, I mean, I, I know, and and Chuck, I I'm I'm in the same category. Um, I think I told the story on myself the last time I, I went to the doctor. I was like. Skip that, will you? Um, but they always get a PSA, and you have to get it. Um, it's critically important, yeah. and that, that that's and I would start at forty-five. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's never it's never too early to uh, to look into that. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. Uh, feel great about uh, where where you are. We will take a break. More to come. More of your phone calls right after this. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted Hims subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash Paul. That's H-I-M-S.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. Hymns.com slash Paul. Hardments are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. 
Welcome back. Uh, Jesse Simonton joining us in just a couple of minutes. And uh, let's check in with Cody in Athens, GA. Hello, Cody. Hey, Paul, how you doing? We're doing great. Thank you. Um, as you probably know, UGA recently lost our wide receiver coach, BMAC. And, um, you know, whenever it's time for Kirby to make a new hire, the narrative is that um, he's, he's going to hire a recruiter, you know? But I'm wondering, how important is that really with a wide receiver coach? I mean, what does it take to get these X-Factor superstar wide receivers? And is it really worth it to spend, like, crazy NIL money on them? Teams have, have success all the time at the highest level about them, like Bama, UGA, and Michigan. So I would just love to get your thoughts on this, and I have one more quick question to follow yeah, up. Yeah, you know, Cody, um, I think right now everything is about recruiting. Uh, I don't know, you know where he's going, but ultimately, uh, you know, wide receivers, they're, they're, there's an element to it, but – I think by the time a wide receiver gets to that point, uh, they're probably in pretty good shape. Right, right. Okay. Um, I would always, I, I would always argue for the recruiter um, and some of the other stuff. I mean, there's there's somebody there's somebody on that on that coaching staff that can handle uh, whatever that wide receiver doesn't know. Right, but you see, like Hugh Freeze missing bowl games, practicing, trying to get recruits. And that's what he did. Well, you know, yeah, but, but, but Cody, Hugh Freeze uh, is about 100 miles behind Kirby Smart right now in terms of a roster. Right, but don't you think that focusing on the trenches will get him there where you, where UGA is? Yeah, yeah but, but I think UGA uh, is in great shape. Uh, I mean, even, even with – I don't disagree. Even losing <laughs> a couple of players, which they are always going to do, they still had one of the best recruiting classes uh, ever. Uh, on top of mm-hmm. you know, probably in the last seven years, uh, you know, one of the great. Uh, I'm forgetting Alabama for a second. Uh, I would say they, the two of them, and Ohio State have had the greatest collection of talent we've ever seen in college football at three schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you know, they had Marvin Harrison this year and didn't do much with him. Well, Ohio yeah, State. I mean, you're, you're right. I mean, Ohio State had. Uh, I mean, in the last couple of years, probably four or five wide receivers that uh, should. But, again, you know, where, where was their problem this year? It was a quarterback. Right. Okay. You make a great point. Uh, just one more question. Are you familiar with the UJ Spikes Blood? Yes, I sure am. Oh, man, I've been running their Twitter X for like three years now, and I'd love to put an exclamation point on that career with your father, if you're so willing. And I love the show. That's all yeah, I got. sure, yeah. No, I've, I've met this. I've, I've been there a number of times and met, met that crew. So, yeah, absolutely, whatever you want to do. Awesome. Thanks so much. That's all Thank I got. Thank you very much, Cody. Randall is in Nashville. Hey, Randall. Hey, now. What's up? Hello. Hey, Randall. How's it going? We're doing great. Thank you. Good. I just want to call and let you know that that uh, discrimination is, uh, and ignorance, as horrible as it is, it's two-way street. And I speak from perspective of experience, since I was the only white boy in Joe Frazier's gym in the uh, mid-'70s. And I can tell you right now, wearing a cowboy hat and boots and talking real slow, there's no advantage on a social level. So, so, Randall, let me make sure I understand this correctly. Uh, when did this happen? 1976. Okay. That was, what, 30, uh, 40, uh, 48 years ago? Something like that. Okay. And, and, and so you, were, you went to a... 
Black. Joe uh, Frazier's gym. Joe Frazier's gym. Boxing gym. Now, now, where was this? In Philadelphia? Yeah. Okay. And how were and, and how were you treated there? No, honey, this one. I'm sorry. Say again. I said so. You walked into Joe Frazier's gym in South Philly in 1976. North Philly. North Philly. I'm sorry. I got my got my Philadelphia yeah. upside down. Um, That's okay. Okay. It's been a while since I've gone to a gym in, in nor- either North or South Philly. So what happened? So what happened? To you? <laughs> I'll bet. Uh, I'm sorry. Say again. I said so. What happened when you went to the gym? Well, I went in there to uh, to box, and uh, uh, I got uh, chalk pump full pretty quick. I had my nose broken. I don't know. The doctor counted about uh, after about six weeks. I I got to where I, I noticed the fact that I couldn't couldn't breathe, mm-hmm. and uh, which is really important when you're fighting. Yeah. And, so uh, now, did this happen in the ring? <laughs> well, hell yeah, it happened in the ring. Okay. And uh, of course, again, my social <clears throat> genius being what it was, and, you know, there's there was a few spots outside the, uh, the ring that that there was uh, some misunderstanding. But uh, regardless of that, like I said, uh, 1976 wasn't the best time to wear a cowboy hat and talk real slow. Uh, but, uh, but like I said, the, uh, the concept of, of, of discrimination or, or prejudice, those kind of things that, uh, that's very real and it works two ways. Now, now did you, you survive this? Did you, I mean, did you continue to box? Cause I think, I think I, the I, world I, title and boxing yeah, no, no, both. No, I know who you are. Um, I mean, you're uh, now, 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 Tex. If I could, can I call you that? <laughs> on the phone, you can call me everything you want. Okay. Uh, I mean, I want to, uh, I want to talk about this because you, you, uh, I mean, you, you were a famous actor. You're a famous fighter. I mean, this is pretty amazing that that you're calling us. We number one, we appreciate that. Well, I just want to know. That I want folks to know that that uh, ain't nobody perfect. And guess what? There's good and bad where I've been. So I want to know this though. You're in the ring. Uh, I mean, you fought for the heavyweight. You fought Holmes, right? Yep. I mean, that was uh, pretty. Fa- I mean, what was that? What was that like to fight for the heavyweight championship against one of the greatest fighters of all time? Well, uh, it was an advanced game for Tag. Uh, I couldn't get to him, and uh, he could run faster back and forth forwards. He should have been a. a a cornerback, or something like that, for the NFL. Now, was was this the fight? Uh, Tex, was this the fight? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I remember this fight. Um, I mean, it uh, was this the fight that Howard Cosell went crazy over. Uh, as a matter of fact, I did. Uh, me and Howard were real close. <laughs> Not, but uh, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> the thing you got to understand is that, uh, uh, well. One of the little known stories of that particular encounter was the fact that I uh, <clears throat> I I took the uh, elevator. I went to uh, before the fight to go do the interview that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, anyway, I was in Houston, and I was down there, and I went in there, uh, got in the elevator, and we had to ride up the tenth floor. By the third floor, how we got in, and 
Howard seemed to be the kind of guy that had to be the center of attention. So he was going through this uh, this uh, situation where where he tended to be uh, the uh, guy uh, talking about the fight with uh, oh, I don't know somebody back in the forties, and uh, wasn't nobody paying him no mind. And so he stopped in the middle and turned to me and he said, "And you, you're the man that kept me from my loved ones on the hallowed holiday." We're fighting over the Thanksgiving Day uh, weekend. And uh, I said, that's right, uh, Brent Mike. Uh, I got the thank you note from your wife. And I laughed because I think I'm funny. My friends laughed because they think I'm funny, too. And anyway, we went to the went to the interview. And, boy, he, he tried to light me up talking about how it was that I was going to fight for the world title. I wasn't qualified to do anything inside of eat hamburgers and drink cold beer. And uh, so anyway, uh, he said, well, Tex, how are you going to fight him? Uh, and I said, full speed, dead ahead, how else is there? And uh, he said, won't that play right into his hands? I said, well, what am I going to do, back up and outbox him? And uh, from that point on, it, it didn't get any better. But anyway, I had a lot of fun. And like I said, Larry Holmes, great fighter and a personal friend of mine now. But... Uh, no, Larry, Larry could back up faster than I could run forwards. Of course, man. <laughs> now, you, uh, I mean, you, I remember, I mean, you had quite a career in Hollywood, too, didn't you? Not bad for a white boy. Yeah, I did okay. <laughs> that had to be a Especially wild experience. Well, I had a lot of experience and a lot of it fun. And uh, like I said, I had, uh, I was real lucky. I got to, I got to uh, be a, uh, an actor, and uh, which was really funny to me. Because, I mean, everybody acts like that's an incredible skill. And I'm not denigrating it at all. But I'm just saying that, you know, from where I was coming, you know, stand here, say this, hell, nobody will hit you in the face. <laughs> I like that watch, you know. I got along real well. And the uh, truth was, it, you know, it, it wasn't all, I, I didn't think it was that difficult a situation to do. I mean, you got a cameraman, he can't fight. You got a director, he can't spell fight. And, you know, I mean, can't nobody fight. Ain't nobody going to hit you, so what's the problem? And, see, the worst thing that can happen in a situation like when you're on set and when you're, uh, when you're in a movie, the worst thing that can happen is take two. Well, I think that kind of negative reinforcement all day. So, Tex, what, 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 I mean, I realize that, uh, what are you doing these days? Well, still swinging. Are you? Got my hands up. No, actually, I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm doing some writing, and uh, uh, I wrote down a whole bunch of stories that, uh, that have I you, remember uh, that have nobody you, knows. Has, have, you pu- have you published any, anything in relation to your career? Oh, no, not yet. I'm going to wait until I get it all done, just like I like. And, uh, but I'm going, I'm, I've got a book in the making, and uh, it's, uh, it's entertaining, if nothing else, I can guarantee no, I've listen. Been, I I, uh, I I am. I, I grew up uh, as, as so many others uh, watching a, a fight fan, and uh, this is a a real thrill to uh, talk to you. And uh, I hope we can, can continue this. Uh, please stay in touch. Well, we will. You gotta understand. Before my fight crew was concerned, hell, I was uh, first fight I went to. I wore gloves at. Uh, where I come from in Texas, the only people that boxed was Mexicans. Every time I fought a Mexican, I had to fight a dozen of them.
Okay, Randall Texcob, thank you so much. Uh, fought for the heavyweight champion of the world and a couple of other battles that we didn't know about until then. We'll take a short break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Welcome back. Always great to uh, talk to Jesse Simonton from On3. Uh, joins us on this President's Day to uh, look back on some of the hirings of this most recent season. This has been a busy one, Jesse. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you uh, you did what I've always wanted to do: hand out grades. And uh, yeah. who who fared well among the coaching hires? I have a feeling uh, I know some of these. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a pretty familiar name for your audience. It's it's one Mr. Kayla DeBoer. Uh, you know, I I think he gets a big grade A for me. I think that's a, a fantastic hire. Is it a little unorthodox in terms of? who maybe people thought would follow Nick Saban when he ultimately did retire uh, as abrupt as that was, you know, back uh, in January. I just think that Kalen DeBoer is, is, is one of the more underrated coaches in all of college football. He does what coaches or what everybody wants is he rarely loses. This is a guy that's won at every single level. Now the expectations certainly change um, in terms of what he's going to be up against following in the footsteps of a legend, but Caleb DeBoer kind of takes the cake on this cycle for me, but he's not the only one. I mean, I think there was several other strong hires, even some that are maybe a little bit, you know, underrated in terms of, I think what Indiana did, you know, going out and, and, and getting Kurt Signetti was a really strong move. Uh, you know, Michigan promoting Sharon Mort to me, I, that was one that I, you know, I gave a B that, that some folks pushed back on. Yes, he, he did. You know, the on-the-job training was probably as good as any in terms of beating Ohio State, beating Penn State. But there's still some uncertainty there as a first-time head coach. So I don't think anyone made, a, you know, an, uh, a terrible hire this cycle. We have seen those previously. Um, but I think there was a bunch that were just, you know, I think you could really qualify as solid to, to really good. Jesse, I certainly understand. I think everyone understands uh, the A to Kalen DeBoer. But, but let me look at the other side of this because you hear whispering recruiting is different. We all know that. But if, if there's a singular concern or maybe multiple concerns that you might have, even though you graded him very high, what, what would they be? It, it is. It, it, it Unequivocally, it is. Can he recruit like Kirby Smart and, and Steve Sarkeesian and even Brian Kelly? I mean, Brian Kelly – is a really strong recruiter as a head coach. 
And so that that's a question that we just don't have answered yet with Kalen Boer. He certainly did not do that at Washington. He wasn't expected to do that at his previous stops. But he has shown some early signs that I think you can at least say if you're an Alabama fan, I, I am confident that he can be better than what he's been. Josh Heifel was like that at Tennessee. Josh Heifel was not a great recruiter at UCF. He then goes to a school that can attract better talent, that has more resources, and he is not on the Kirby Smart, Steve Sarkeesian level yet. And he needs to you know, continue to raise his game if he wants the balls to compete for championships on an annual basis, but he's been much better. And I think DeBoer has already shown some signs of that. The first one being, you know, five-star Ryan Williams. His dad went to Auburn, Auburn legacy. The Tigers are looking like they're going to flip the kid, uh, you know, right at the the end before National Signing Day. And lo and behold, he becomes the first five-star that Kalen DeBoer, you know, has signed in his career. He was able to hold on to him. And, and I think being able to to kind of – capitalize on, on some of those pre-existing relationships was big. So got to do that more than just once, obviously, but it's at least a sign that I think the potential's there. With Jesse Simonton, let me get to a couple other ones that are familiar with to our audience. A&M, Mike Elko, everybody loved this guy uh, at his prior stop in uh, Duke. Uh, how's he fitting in replacing someone everyone didn't love in Jimbo Fisher? Yeah, and I think you and I've kind of gone a little bit back and forth on this in terms of that there are some questions with Elko, you know, that a lot of folks kind of turn their nose uh, at Mark Stoops when when his name, you know, initially uh, was released there as, as being potentially A&M's head coach. And Elko and Stoops are, are very similar in terms of resume, only Elko just hadn't been around nearly as long. But I do think, again, the ability to now be at a place that has the resources and the infrastructure and the potential of Texas A&M with a coach and personality. And I think that's kind of key. Mike Elko, Mike Elko's personality is going to play really well uh, with the crowd in College Station. I think he could do big things there. And considering their schedule, their 2044 schedule, their roster, who they've kind of retained, they could make a pretty quick jump in year one if they, if they kind of hit right later this fall. Talking uh, to Jesse Simonton uh, here from On3, we're looking at a number of the uh, new coaching hires. There were a couple in the SEC. I've mentioned two already. I want to get to the, the third one now. Uh, Jeff Levy was at Oklahoma, highly respected, uh, landing at Mississippi State after the, uh, the Zach Arnett experiment. And again, in, fa- in fairness to Arnett, he took over a very difficult situation. But, but Jesse, this is one that uh, the critics have not been kind to. Where are you? Yeah, I, I'm probably I kind of fall in that camp. I, mean, I think I, I gave it a C plus, and it's and it's that's a, it's more so about it's just there's a lot on a head coach's plate these days, and and so you're seeing less and less coordinators, you know, make that a, immediate jump to a power five level, and so Levy's name had been rumored at, at a number of you know jobs a, smaller than Mississippi State. Uh, in years past, but he waited patiently and, and good for him because he then did, did land an SEC job. It's just a really hard job. And being a first-time head coach with everything that's involved and the fact that you got the gig because of your ability to be a play caller, we've now seen that you know, right here in Gainesville with Billy Napier. That, that's tough. It, it's a lot to handle, um, and sometimes it's too much to handle. And, and for that has been the case thus far for Billy Napier. We'll see if that materializes for Jeff Levy. 
Naturally, there's a lot of buzz about Steve Sarkeesian, who gets another extension after an incredible year that ended uh, in the Sugar Bowl with a loss to Washington. Uh, your thoughts on Sark is uh, most of the questions that we were asking a year ago are long gone, and he enters the SEC as one of the forces to be reckoned with. Yeah, I have a column on at on three right now that I wrote over the weekend when the extension details were released, just kind of, you know, highlighting the fact that that Steve Sarkeesian has 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 brought Texas back and and they rewarded him <laughs> thusly because of that. You know, he was the guy that was making less money than PJ Fleck and, and Lance Leopold last year. And and now he's being paid like a ten million dollar head coach. And that comes with, you know, ten million dollar expectations. I think there are Certainly, you know, a lot of folks who believe it's not uh, if, but when Texas wins another national championship to kind of break that streak. But I think Sark is just a great example, uh, Paul, of, of, of a coach's ability to grow. And it's not um, just because you haven't doesn't mean you can't. And he had never won 10 games. And that was something that had kind of, you know, followed him, whether it be at Washington, USC, uh, but I think he learned a lot about program infrastructure and, and culture and personality uh, when he was with Nick Saban in Alabama. And then he's kind of taken that and kind of, you know, added his own little foot uh, fingerprints and, and flair. Last year they had a heck of a roster and, and, you know, they win 13 games, go to the uh, college football playoff this year. They've done as well and been as aggressive as anybody in the transfer portal. You see what they, they cut some of the guys they've gotten from Alabama, um, the pass rusher from UTSA. I expect Texas to, to be, you know, one of the top three, four teams in the country this fall. And so that means, you know, they probably have a top three or four head coach in, the, in college football with the way he's kind of positioned that roster. Jesse, you mentioned – Florida and Napier, and, and I'm, I'm reading a lot about Lagway uh, after signing day. Uh, this is, you know, depending on your service, uh, one, one of the two or three best quarterbacks, and some are even speculating now, and I realize this is pure conjecture, uh, that he ultimately could be the starter, which would give Napier at Florida something to wrap his arms around. Uh, where are you on that story? Yeah, I think it's tough. Uh, you know, B Billy did a great job convincing DJ Lagway to stick with that recruitment. You know, Lagway was getting pulled in a lot of directions towards the end there. Texas A&M, Clemson, some other schools, you know, were trying to make that flip at the 11th hour. So for, for Florida to hang on to him, five-star defensive end, LJ McCray, that was key. But the rest of that recruiting class did sort of crumble because of all the whispers about Billy Napier's uh, you know, job status, you know, entering 2024. The fact that they have perhaps the hardest schedule I've ever seen in college football uh, with Miami, Florida State, and UCF in the non-conference, plus just a ridiculous conference schedule, it's going to be tough. The Gators are going to be up against it. You see that win total sitting around five and a half again. The expectations are low. So if Lagway does start, um, you know, does that give Billy Napier something to kind of hang his hat on that, hey, this could be the guy that kind of leads us out of the wilderness? TBD, you know, they still have Graham Mertz. I, I don't think it's a certainty at all that Napier or the Lagway, because of that schedule, is going to start. Is it maybe, though, Paul, something that we've seen plenty of times in this sport, plenty of times in the SEC, where maybe the veteran plays early in the season, but then the coach does kind of throw – 
the, the five-star freshman out there to maybe give some fans some hope when that water, you know, when, when you're in the chum in the water and, and folks are calling for your head, maybe you need something to kind of distract you. I could, I could see that playing out, uh, you know, come early November. Great stuff. Jesse Simonson, always enjoy the conversation. So much knowledge. Jesse, thank you for the time. Jesse from On3. Absolutely. Thanks, Paul. Great to see you. We'll take a short break here. We have a long way to go here on President's Day. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. And Bubba is up next in North Carolina. Hello, Bubba. What's shaking, Paul? How you doing today? We are doing great. Hey, were you expecting a call from Randall Texcom today? Uh, I could have, if you had said uh, who's the least, first of all, I would have had to remember who he was, uh, but. I would rank the Randall Tex Cobb call one of the bigger shocks we've ever had here. I absolutely about fell over, Paul. If Joe Biden had to call you wanting your endorsement on President's Day, I wouldn't have been. I would have. I would have expected that more because uh, there was something to gain from it. But but I mean the randomness of, I mean and, and again uh, most people heard the call. This is the guy that fought for the heavyweight championship of the world. And he's just randomly calling us to complain about getting beaten up in Joe Frazier's gym in 1976. Oh, I'm sure Tex Cobb got beat up in a lot of gyms, but I'm (laughs) going to tell you what. That joker right there might not have had a lot of skills in the ring, but he was one tough son of a gun. Oh, yeah. I I, I saw Tex Cobb take some beatings that he shouldn't have never walked away from. But uh, he fought in an era of heavyweight boxing like no other. I mean, that, those were me. No, I mean, this guy went against uh, Larry Holmes early in Holmes' championship career, and it was a big fight. Uh, I mean, this is. Yeah, yeah, it was huge, man. I mean, a lot of your younger uh, generation won't even know who this man is, but uh, it, it's amazing to me that he called in. He evidently listens to your show. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I didn't want to get too weird about, like, why are, why are you calling this show? But, uh, but I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it was a well, legitimately... I'll tell, ma- tell you one thing, that beat the heck out of Ric Flair calling, I can tell you that right now. Well, I mean, first of all... But I, I, 
I got a big kick out of him talking about Howard Cosell. My dad used to hate Howard Cosell. I remember when I was a kid, he would he would just throw a fit about Howard Cosell. And, and Cosell was one of those personalities you either loved or hated him, and my dad was one of the haters. But uh, I really enjoyed that. And uh, but, Hey, by the way, the thing about the, dur- during the fight, and he alluded to it, Cosell said this is – as only Cosell could. This is the biggest mismatch in the history of... And by the way, but, but Cobb lasted 15 rounds with Larry Holmes. I'm telling you, dude, he, he was a tough man. He may not have had the skill set that these other fighters in his era had, but he had to be much of a man to stand in front of Larry Holmes for that long. And... Uh, you know, it, like I said, it just it threw me for a loop when he when I realized who you were talking to. Well, but, I didn't uh, I didn't understand yeah, you. Talk, what, once he said the cowboy hat, it started to come to me that yeah yeah. When he said he went into Joe Frazier's gym with a cowboy hat, I'm like, man, who wore a cowboy hat? back? I said, and it, and it, it just lit up like a light. I'm like, there's no way this is Tex Cobb. And, uh, the and, I mean, and, and, and by the way, I mean, he, he had a, uh, Bubba, as you know, he, he had a pretty big uh, Hollywood career. He was in a bunch of shows and movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He he was in several movies. And I mean, he fit in those roles that he acted in. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't in any blockbuster movies. No. And, uh, you know, he wasn't really a, a celebrity boxer. But the man has been around. I mean, I wonder how old he is. He's. Uh, we looked it up. He's. He's seventy-three. But in yeah. terms in terms of the the number of punches he's taken, he might be a little bit older. Oh, I'm telling you, he took some now, but he had to be one tough son of a gun. Oh now. yeah. I mean, first and, of all, uh, I mean today. Uh, I mean, after five or six rounds of having his head beaten, he would just taken a dive, and it would have been over. Yeah, I mean, he didn't come to take a dive, Paul. He came to no, win. By, by the way, maybe and, we can uh, get Tex Cobb versus Ric Flair. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, underwrite that. I, I would pay money. I would <laughs> pay money to watch Tex Cobb knock Ric Flair and slap him. <laughs> You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.